at the center of the universe. At the border between the light and the dark stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all-knowing. The power to be... Legends of Grayskull. Everybody, welcome to episode 53 of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Etheria, Nordor, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Golden Book, Ladybird, UK Annuals, Comics, Mini Comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Mattel logo down in the corner. I'm Matthew Duch, here again with Sean Skavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? I'm impressed, man. You put some... You put some passion into that this time. I could feel it through my headphones. <laughs> we are here today to celebrate the Motu. Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, Hallelujah, brother. Well, we got the spirit here, ladies and gentlemen. He's got the spirit. <laughs> Speaking of which, is it? Oh, somebody's going to sue Isn't us. Coming to America 2 supposed to be out soon? It's. I think it's, it's uh, this, March. Oh, it's, yeah. We got all the way till March still. <laughs> yeah, it's it's close to my daughter's birthday, so it's like the middle of March, right. if I remember right. Oh wait, then. God, I love that movie. <laughs> I it so much. It's it, everything old is new again. This is proof uh, right I, there. I don't care. Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy and Arsenio <laughs> Hall and Arsenio <laughs> Hall and Eddie Murphy. Sign me up. Yeah, no, I, I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> that, that was that was one of the few nostalgia kicks where it's like between between that one and Cobra Kai. It's like, you know, I'm just grinning from ear to ear going, ah, oh, look at that. I'm still relevant. I'm 42, but I'm still relevant. All right. <laughs> it all comes down to what we said. I just want to see good stories. And if it involves characters that I, you know, know from childhood, great. If it involves new characters, great. The key is mm-hmm. good stories. So, but uh, coming to yep. America too looks like it's going to be good. Still haven't watched Cobra mm-hmm. Kai, so. Um, ah, all right, can't say something. anything then, huh? No. Uh, <laughs> well, Johnny's in it. Johnny is in it. Actually, quite a few Johnny people. Uh, is in Elizabeth Shue, I heard she came back for uh, at least an episode or something, and. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've heard bits and pieces. I won't. But. I won't say anything. <laughs> I know how you. You won't. It, it, for for our audience, ladies and gentlemen, this man Matthew Dooch will not even watch trailers when he does not want to be spoiled. I try not so to, I can't yeah. say a word. Yeah. No, I, I really. <laughs> so when the revelation trailer hits. It's you and me, people. It's not going to be Matt involved in this. He's going to be like, I'm not watching a thing until it actually premieres it's... on Netflix, and I'll be. 
I'll, I'll respect, but I'm also going to be like, man, we've waited so long. You can't even watch the trailer. <laughs> yeah, it'll be tough. And I don't, it's not that, I, there are some trailers I watch. Some things I just can't help. Uh, a hard thing nowadays is they release the trailers so early now. Yeah, it mm. seems. Um, so you're kind of stuck, like, you know, you know a trailer's out there, you avoid it for a few weeks, but then it's like, oh, I still got two months. So then finally, sometimes mm. I break down and watch it. Or I've done it where I watch it, but I don't have sound on. So I'm just I'm just seeing the images and not the, the necessarily the, boy, the, the, you know, any of the plot or, yeah. uh, you know, because sometimes the delivery or the sound effects or something can give stuff away, too. So but I like to go in well, as pure it- as possible. what's what's funny is because of 2020 going all you know sideways and pineapple and whatever you want to call it um yesterday was a good refresher for me and my kids because my kids have really loved i i got the uh the xbox 360 back out a couple months ago they've been enjoying gaming on that and uh, I had the Ghostbusters video game on there, and my kids actually eat that thing up. Good they game. love going in, and it's spooky. So it's like there's these moments where they're like, yeah. Daddy, can you play <laughs> this part? So I jump in, and I help them, and yep. we get through the, the scary bits together. But I, I was like, hey, do you do you remember they're doing a new movie this uh, this year? It's supposed to be out last year. Oh, yeah, year, I forgot about but that. It's coming out this year, Afterlife. And, yeah, and Ghostbusters uh, then yesterday part morning, three, uh, Stranger Things, yes. Mm-hmm. Basically, and uh, I I played the trailer for them after breakfast five times in a row yesterday, and all of us were cheering every single time that that Ecto one showed up and everything. So it, it, that movie in particular and Black Widow that, are the two where I feel the worst because yeah. 2020 just obliterated them off the calendar. And thankfully, we have this year that, you know, we're looking forward to some good stuff, too. But, yeah, like like you said, the trailer comes out so early. Well, that came out last year, like, before all this stuff. Now, I will... And I've been waiting and waiting. (laughs) I did watch the Ghostbusters trailer. Um, And I will will put the caveat in there because... And this isn't to say I don't like Ghostbusters, but the less I care about a movie the easier it is for me to watch the trailer. Like, I care more about mm-hmm. Masters of the Universe, so I'll be less inclined to watch a trailer for it. Um, gotcha. And meanwhile, I, I love Ghostbusters, but to me, Ghostbusters never became a franchise, per se. And part of that's me, because I've only seen the movies. I've, I, I'm sure I watched the cartoon as a kid, but I never really got mm-hmm. into it, and I've never watched it as an adult, you know, or a teenager. I've never gotten back into mm-hmm. it. So to me, Ghostbusters is more like... You know, here's the movies. They were great, but it's not something mm-hmm. that I've even thought about the universe much or anything like that, like I do with Masters. So that trailer I gotcha. did sit down and watch. It was decent. I like Paul Rudd. Um, I'm worried about the yep. kitty angle. But uh, the biggest thing, and I think I told you this at the time when it came out, when the, at the end of it, when they show mm-hmm. the Ecto-1 and it fires up and it runs out of the barn... Why they did not have the who you gonna call theme <laughs> g- swell up at that point. Up until that point, I was hooked, uh, and I'm like, you guys, it's so obvious right there as they're pulling, as they're turning the key and it's firing up. You just do the and then hit the, you know, it just hit it in a full I, gear as it cranks out of the barn there. 
Sure, and, and I can understand that, but for me, I like the way that it was done because it was basically a first trailer. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to save that theme for the next trailer to really blow the roof off the so, joint. You know, I think, I and, think you need to blow it off the joint, especially following uh, the female Ghostbusters. I think you need to, to yeah, hook everybody right I, there be like, look, I, don't worry, we got this now. <laughs> I can't fight you on that one, but it had enough references and it wasn't nearly as kooky crazy with the comedy. Mm -hmm. It looked like they just wanted to tell, here's a legit story. And that's part of why I'm excited yeah. for it. Because if anything, that first movie, because I've seen the first movie how many oh, times yeah. my kid will go to the Stay Puft scene every day <laughs> and he'll watch this. And, and for me, I'm like, I... We're watching Stay Puft again. Okay, we're watching Stay Puft yeah. again, and there he is coming through, <laughs> coming through New York. But my son is absolutely yeah. he he's all about this, and and for me, I I just I like it, it, when you hear the the siren, yeah, and you hear the proton thrower. Yeah. That's enough for me to just go, oh, I'm home. Right. I'm home already. It made me happy that with that much even so. Yeah. I, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for both those movies because Black Widow. I, I miss her. Yeah. I want to see her again on the big screen. So do you think Scarlett Johansson in my face is never a bad thing? So. <laughs> I no. <laughs> um, uh, hey, if she listens, they... my number is. <laughs> anyway, um, back on track. <laughs> one last question: Yes or no? The, uh, obviously, uh, uh, Harold Ramis has passed. Do yeah. you think we'll see a ghost Egon in the movie? All right, here's something I thought about. I think I I will, I'll lead to maybe after yesterday because they have that moment with Paul Rudd opening the trap in the, in the classroom and then it closes really quick. And there's a part of me that's going, what if there is something going on where they have like, because Belushi <laughs> was, uh, Slimer was Belushi in, in the first movie because Belushi died. He was going to play Peter Beckman originally. Right. And right as they were working on the script, he passed away. So then they're like, well, that's going to be our Belushi. It's it's right. like a tribute to him. Well, it's like, maybe they'll do that with Ramis in this. Yeah. I mean, he, it's already, I'm, I'm guessing those are his grandkids. That's, I, I think so too. I think it was, it, I think yeah. it was pretty heavily implied that that would be yeah. the link. The little girl, and, the little girl, especially those, those glasses. Yeah, and the, even and the, the boy, it's, it's, and I forget the exact lines now, but there were definitely, I think it's pretty heavily uh, implied there. And, uh, and I think definitely, yes, I think we will see a ghost Egon. And I think he'll, he'll, I think it'll be even more than like a Slimer. I think he'll come at a pivotal moment to, you know, help, That'd help be cool. win the day. Because obviously this is That'd something cool. he set in motion, you know, with the well mm -hmm. and everything else. So, um, spoil I'm excited. spoiler alerts if you guys haven't seen the trailer yet, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, it's been over, well, it's been about a year since it was released, so hey. <laughs> Hopefully it reignites people who forgot that it's out there. Like, you know, you're like, yeah, that's right. That was released last year. It was. Yeah. So, the, you know what? But I'll anyway. drop a link down below. Go check it out if you haven't. And you know, <laughs> I mean, and really, what's the statute of limitations on spoilers? Because I think I post a, uh, okay, here we go. Spoilers for stuff that we're talking about that came out in 1983. So, I mean, if, exactly. if I'm going to do a spoiler for DC miniseries, I think I need to do a spoiler uh, after the fact for Ghostbusters. <laughs> Well, Ghostbusters, I, I, Stranger I, Things, <laughs> Part Three. Uh, <laughs> I I have uh, I've been ju I jumped on the Mandalorian bandwagon yes. in the last few I months, still and I know most recent season. It, 
if you post anything online the next day, you might as well consider yourself a, you know, a jerk or whatever, or, you know, whichever term you want to use for that. Yeah, but, you hear that? You hear so that, figured, Rodriguez? You know, <laughs> uh, friend of the show is causing some trouble, huh? <laughs> See, he's trying to do it with WandaVision now. He keeps posting these little one-liners like, oh, I'm not doing anything. Like, uh, aren't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, his it. posts on Facebook are interesting because it's almost like, what are we talking about? <laughs> it's very, he'll he just, boom, here's the thing, and you're like, wait a minute, what, <clears throat> what, what, huh? But it's like, yeah. hey, it works. Mandalorian, so. Wonder Woman 84, uh, he's starting at WandaVision now. <laughs> darn it, darn it, man, give me a yeah? minute, some of what? us have lives. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. I did WandaVision pretty quickly the other night because that was only like 20 minutes an episode. So yeah, I mean, I, it was like, boom, 40 minutes, I'm, I'm in and out. Good. There was, there was playoffs yeah. last night, Sean. I did I did start the first episode, but... Uh, you, you know me. I don't follow the foot with the ball. The football, the so. football <laughs> won out, so... Um, no, Jarrell, the baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, so... Uh, Let's let's move on here. Let's jump right into our review for the day. Uh, so today we are talking about this is an interesting one. This uh, came out uh, uh, two thousand nine. This was discovered. Um, and special thanks here. I want to thank Adam McCombs from Battle Ram Blog for not only refreshing my memory of it but also posting up all of the images associated with it, which we are going to use on the show today. Thank you, Adam. I got a link down below. Check out his page. He's got a wonderful blog. He goes over a lot of Masters of the Universe history, um, deep dives yeah. on characters, concepts, anything and everything you can think of. So check that out. So what we're talking about here is Whitman Publishing. Uh, back in the 80s, they were tasked with coming up with an origin story for He-Man and, you know, the whole Masters of the Universe line. Uh, very similar, I think more similar to what DC did with their uh, 83 miniseries. I, I would, and I, uh, Adam feels the same way on his blog, that uh, this seems to be after the first four mini-comics, but, but when they were trying to figure out where they go from here... And what would eventually come out with the DC miniseries that we've already reviewed on the show here. Uh, they also had mm. Whitman take a stab at it. And they come they came out with uh, they set the they set the storyline for uh, four issues that would introduce this origin story for the world. Uh, it's the pencils are done by Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, he was a Filipino comic book artist who also did the pencils for the golden book, uh, The Sunbird Legacy. Mm -hmm. um, Whitman also is uh, famous for the uh, pop-up game, which I own. If you remember the, the one where the board pops up and you got He-Man and the Eagle and everything. That was also done mm, by Whitman yeah. Publishing. Um who also owned Golden Books. So I think this this led into them doing all those Golden Books. So, um, so Sean, what was your first experience with this? 
It was the other night when you told me about it. <laughs> uh, I I did not know this. This for me was like the coolest deep cut to find yeah. because I I never knew there was a legit attempt at this is the origin before filmation took it over. And and the the thing well, was, it almost, this, let's clarify, had, it almost was. Almost was. Um, well, yeah. the, but it was their it was their attempt. It was there. At it, it was is what I'm attempt. trying to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and and uh, you know we have the basic Alcala uh, and, and Don Glue origin in the mini comics, which doesn't really give you a huge amount other than okay, he leaves his tribe and right. wanders off to go into Eternia, the, the rest of the planet, and all that. And in this one, it's like okay. Um, this is not the origin I would have ever expected no. for He-Man in any way, shape, or form. So I, I was sitting there the other night going like, "This is crazy! But like it's, th- this is it, it, it's it's yeah. so starkly different than anything that we've come to know." But also, also oddly familiar at the same time. Like it is, but for different <clears throat> reasons. Yes. It, it, it's not because it's masters. It's because. Oh, so there's some influence in this that Roger Sweet was talking about, and, and there's some this. There, and you basically know, yeah. <laughs> setting the stage. I think you can see that clear point in time after reading through, and you read through the whole thing, correct? Everything on the mm-hmm. blog. <clears throat> I mean, I think you can see that point in time in about you know 1982, where Mattel's like, okay, well, we released the first wave. We had those mini comics before. Obviously, they were. I mean, we know they weren't. A hundred percent with the story because they would end up changing it. So I, it seems like this point in time they went to Whitman and they went to DC and they said, "What can you do with this?" And you can just you can see the two forks in the road. And they ended up going the DC route, which would bring in Prince Adam and Queen King Randor, Queen Marlena, and a lot of that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. But they just as easily could have gone the Whitman route, which we'll go over today here. Um, and uh, honestly, for me, the first time, I actually remember when these pages were up for auction. They came up for, for auction in about 2009. And I remember following the thread on He-Man.org about them. And I thought that they were completely made up. I thought this was somebody's, like, just, just maybe a fan made them or whatever, like, and is trying to pass them off like they're original. Because it is so starkly mm-hmm. different. And the other yeah. thing was... At the time, they were saying that this was a proposal for the new adventures of He-Man. Like, around that time, at the end of the 80s, when they were talking Masters of Space and New Adventures and Skeletine and all that, um, when these pages first came out, everyone was saying, oh, this is what new adventures could have been. And reading through Mm -hmm. here, you know, reading through them at the time, I go... This couldn't have been. Like, you're missing too many key components. But then when you stop and think about it, and you put it back in the early 80s, it's like, well, that makes perfect sense. And um, Mm -hmm. here's the the pop-up game I was talking about. I actually had it in the drawer right there. I never had that. The the thing that got me, like, the Battle Ram bloggy posted um, the the inside the mini comic where it showed the ad for this. Yeah. And then they also had the the, the giant was it a coloring, coloring book or the giant yeah, yeah like the and poster both of book. which poster coloring book which I want to know if I that know. never actually came out I have never seen that before okay 
that's exactly what I was going to say. I, as a kid, my mom and I will always had our eye out for anything with masters on it because I was so into the brand. Yeah. And I don't remember that at all. I've never yeah. seen that when I was a kid. And then the, uh, the, the poster book, I know how much I wanted that thing. Cause I'm like, that's one of the few things I needed out yeah. of the, like the, the initial offerings. I never, ever knew and I've, if that, thing and I've never not. seen it come up. And I think that would be pretty popular if it came up. I mean, that's, that sounds amazing. A, a poster size mm-hmm. coloring book. Yeah. Four, 14 mm-hmm. by 20, you know? Yeah, and uh, which, I would have just laid on that page to color. It. Well, I'm assuming, and again, <laughs> in those days, Golden Book came out with uh, you know those giant books of heroic and evil warriors. So I'm thinking that's mm-hmm. and that's probably the same size it would have been, um, especially as yep. a kid. That would have been amazing. But yeah, the, exactly. the pop up game's fun. It's got the uh, it's got it's it's again it's very everything Whitman did was very early inspired. You know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's an early He Man. Let me see if I can pop it up. Right now. I was kind of lucky. It was right behind me. Yeah, you just get the board. This is actually going to show pretty nicely from the looks of it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Holy man, the giant eagle. See, I missed this. I missed this era. Gray skull, and you got the the Skeletor. He's on a volcano. This is pretty cool. Like I forget how exactly, but like you go and he'll move and then it'll open holes. And if you fall through the holes, you got to go back to, you got to go back spaces. Nice. <laughs> it's like a little trap. Um, yeah, early gray school in the background there. Um, so this is kind of the, the time that this is all set in this early wave one concept stuff. Look, Skeletor's even got the bat on his, uh, chest colored in like the, yeah. like the Lords of Power. <laughs> You know, Lords of Power. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a very cool, and it just it it's literally pop. Mm-hmm. So love it. Uh, that I just acquired I, a couple I, years ago. That's that's I've been looking for it for a while. It's hard to find them in good shape too, where some of the where the pop ups aren't uh, busted off. So sure. I never had that. I had the 3D one where you could like you, you had the uh, plastic, the clear plastic, and you could move it around. I spent hours oh, yeah. playing that thing and my mom hated it because she's like we're doing this again yeah because it's an awesome game <laughs> can, with, with a little luck you can win that thing like really quick though i think one time i played with my son and he beat me in like three turns it was like okay because uh, there's one there's one pivot <laughs> point where if you pivot twice it's like you're right at the last row it's like <laughs> yep I think I figured it out back in those days, too, and that's part of why my mom gave up trying to play because I couldn't get the other kids to play, yeah. but my mom was stuck at home with me, so we'd play it, and, like, she let me win at some right. points because she's just like, I got something else I got to do, so, yeah, uh, but I love that game. If, that if we ever wind up in the same room at the same time, Sean, we're going to bust out the pop-up <laughs> game, we're going to bust out Let's Battle for Eternia, uh, we're going to have... cool. We're gonna, Let's do it. We're going to do a, a, a Master's Game Night. Um, I'm good. All about we'll live stream that, <laughs> folks. Uh, so, but back to the point at hand here. Okay, so we got this Whitman publishing yep. origin story. I, like an idiot, didn't even try to go for any of these auctions. Kick myself now. Because mm, I, and, and you know what? And it just, you know, it was, it was just, I, I felt it might be fake and whatever. It just, it didn't interest me as much. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it's another thing. It's kind of like New Adventures. It's like, even if it is true, that's not my He Man. So what does it mean to me? Um, mm-hmm. 
but it's 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 a masterpiece. So let's let's jump right over here. If you're on YouTube with us, I am gonna throw uh, the pages up here uh, as big as I can. Uh, if not, go ahead. Like I said, click the link down below. You can head over to Battleram Blog and check them out in their full scale. Um, and and let us know what you think. So we're gonna we're gonna run through it here. Um, so yeah, so we start off here on the page here. We've got we've got a shepherd who we don't learn his name, uh, but he's walking with a girl named Shalda. Um, talking, but basically he's in love with Shalda, but she's bound, uh, you know, kind of engaged to Tez, and uh, and uh, we find out that the scrawny wimp is He Man. Uh, which the other villagers call him that as a mocking thing because he's like this—he's the runt of the litter. He's scrawny, he's weak. Everybody else we see here as Tez and his uh, hoodlums show up as uh, He-Man's making the moves on Shalda. Uh, yeah, they—they're all the buff Eternian physique that we're used to, and He-Man is—it's—it's it's the old Charles Atlas thing. It's like the, the scrawny oh, yeah. getting the sand kicked you into you at the beach, like. <clears throat> Tez wants to fight him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, guys. Mm -hmm. Tez wants to fight him, and one of his buddies sticks a sword in the ground, like, buries it deep into the ground. He's like, he's like, yeah, he, man, if you can lift that out, you know, you can't, it, 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 like, you'll get a free swing on Tez, you know, and he, man's trying, he can't even pull the sword out of the ground. Yeah. Yeah, I, all I wanted to see was the Charles Atlas guy mm -hmm. standing at the end of this page, like they did on the pages in the comics. Because right. it's like it, like uh, Roger Sweet said, you know, that was a huge influence on the idea of his version of He Man and everything, or his take on it. And it's like, man, they just went right for it on this page. They did. <laughs> it's just lifted it right from there and i just love the ominous in the last uh panel here you just see these shapes in the background over he-man's shoulder mm -hmm. and then the next page is is a double spread <laughs> and mm -hmm. it just it's skeletor riding riding a dragon with demons following on dragons behind him the sky turns dark and he starts raining fire down on everybody and it says chapter one yeah. shadows on the sun. Now that's Skeletor. I mean, a hundred percent to me. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know the the thing about this. It, it's mm -hmm. like it's. I felt like there was a starkness to how the story was even told because yeah. one page we're dealing with one thing, then the next page is an all-out dragon invasion with Skeletor leading it. It's like, where the hell did this come yeah. from? The last page it was, here's this little shepherd and here's Shaldo, well, you know, and all this and boom. It's the, it's the early roaming Skeletor. You know, we'll find out yeah. that he's on a quest for that. He's got one half of the power sword. He wants the other. And, mm -hmm. you know, Coming, uh, let's let jump, let's jump ahead. Um, yeah, and so Skeletor and company just start tearing everything up, and they kill Shalda right before He-Man's eyes. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. like, and that, <laughs> that gives, but like you said, it gives He-Man the strength to pull that sword out of the ground. All of a sudden, he was struggling with it, and just his rage is just like, yeah, he pulls it right out. Seeing the woman yeah. he loves struck down by dragon fire. 
Um, and I think they do. I love this shot here with the, the, the three panels of He-Man's face. Um, it's very much a He-Man haircut, for those of you who can't see it. But it's a very skinny face. You know, very, very um, soft features, right? But then as yeah. he... First he's in shock. Then there's some tears coming out of his eyes. And then the last, it's a close-up of his face and he goes to rage. And by God, that's the He-Man face. That is that yeah. He-Man toy face right there. So that was mm -hmm. that's awesome on the part of the artist, how he went from a meek shepherd to He-Man just in the face, his body's obviously, he's still a scrawny wimp, but in the in the face, you're like, you see that He-Man that's going to come forth later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was, like, I, I was uh, probably more shocked by the fact that within the first four pages of this thing, there's already death. Because mm -hmm. that doesn't happen typically in Masters. You don't see right. it as often as other things. So the fact that here's this origin story and we're starting it off with a death of a character already to tell He-Man's origin of all people. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, this is again, not, not the kind of an origin I would have expected. So it, it's like, okay, all bets are off. Right. Where's this going? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, he shortly Skeletor shortly lays waste to all Tez and all the bullies uh, he's just striking mm -hmm. people down left and right, and uh, he hits, he hits He Man. Not does he hit him, but the demons shoot arrows into his back as well. Like I mean, that's yeah. just and Skeletor. He, he, a great shot here. He Man's leaning on Skeletor like with the, like he's trying to fight him, but he's got no strength left. He's mm -hmm. been hit by Skeletor. He's got three arrows in his back, and he's and Skeletor just standing there, just not like whatever, like. Like you look at, you know, a bug. Well, it, it reminds me, uh, going to Transformers the movie, it reminds me of, like, when Megatron has laid waste to all the Autobots on the shuttle, yeah. and Ironhide's, like, grabbed, no! Yeah. It's such heroic nonsense. It's kind of the yeah. same deal here, which, <laughs> hey. it, it, when you put the villain in that perspective, <laughs> it always makes them feel a lot more threatening and dangerous. Exactly, and it, that's it. A, this is fully the demon Skeletor. He is on a quest yep. for the power sword. Everything else is beneath him. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so uh, next page, he's talking to his demons. He finds out that, you know, he's he's trying to find the... He's just searching blindly. He has no reason to even believe that the other half is in this village. He's literally tra traversing Eternia burning villages to the ground and looking through their rubble, maybe the other half of the power sword will be there. Like, mm -hmm. Well, he's living <laughs> up to the name, Lord of Destruction. Yeah. I mean, that, it, it, and, and it does, I, this is why this version of Skeletor is always, like, like this version is always going to be my favorite mm -hmm. because he is supposed to be a force of evil, a force to be reckoned with, and that's why 2000X is right there with it because he's very similar even though the origin is a little off. Right. But uh, I, I like this take on it because when when I was a kid, it was like, this is this should be the embodiment of evil. Yes, and that's... And He-Man's supposed to be the embodiment of good, you know? And that's what we're getting here. It's just he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. They find, they find uh, He-Man still alive somehow. His body's hanging on. Mm -hmm. and, um, and Skeletor interrogates him, and uh, He-Man spits in his face, literally. 
spits in it. Well, spits in his skull, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and all the demons want to kill him. And Skeletor says that'd be too merciful. He's so he's so ticked off that He Man would defy him as he's dying that he won't even kill him right here because that would be a mercy. He's gonna leave him uh, for the wolves to come and. Hmm. I mean, that's, and then he just takes off. Such a nice guy. Such yeah. a nice guy. <laughs> uh, and, and luckily, just as uh, he's, the wolves do show up as night falls, and he man's trying everything he can to get the strength to fight them off, but luckily, here's Man-at-Arms. <laughs> yeah, as quoted by Adam, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and this shot here, uh, the, the early concept-looking battle ram, uh, the very conquistador man at arms, uh, cool gun he's got, high tech weaponry, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it, it just looks great. And I know uh, on Adam on the Battle Ram blog even speculated that's possible. Uh, Fred Carrillo may have done the inks on this. We don't know for sure, but that Battle Ram there is very very similar to Carrillo's Battle Ram in the Giant Picture Book. So. And they did work yeah. together. Sunbird Legacy was pencils uh, by Gonzalez and inks by Carrillo. So it's quite possible that Carrillo was already working on the property here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the line work is pretty similar. But, I mean, granted, I'm not going to be an expert and say, oh, it's definitely. But yeah. there, there is definitely a feeling of what I knew from Sunbird Legacy as a kid. That's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is another team up between the two artists. Right. And, uh, oh, and I, I should point out at the beginning here, <clears throat> excuse me, there are definitely pages missing in here. Um, it, it's not terrible, but there are, you can tell there probably would have been some filler pages here or there. Um, so then, so then we, and then that seemingly would end chapter one. <clears throat> and chapter two is Moon Spinner. Where we're taken to Eternia's capital city, Monarch, um, <laughs> to see the healer's moon spinner. Uh, and it starts off here, a very, yeah, very Arabian almost looking city there. Lots of uh, uh, spires and, you know, uh, definitely very, very polished. They were trying to contrast with the shepherd looking village before. Mm-hmm. Um, and Man-at-Arms... Civilization. Yeah, civilization, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Man-at-Arms takes him to, to Moonspinner, the healer, trying to save his life. Um, I'm gathering basically just to get information. It seems like Man-at-Arms has been tracking Skeletor's destruction, trying to trying to figure out what he's up to, trying to figure out a way to stop him. And it, it seems like Man-at-Arms was tracking him and I got the feeling that this is probably the first survivor that Man at Arms has found. Mm-hmm. So he's very curious and keep very much wanting to keep him alive. Uh, Moonspinner, they they talk back and forth about. Yeah, and I'm just giving you the gist here, guys. Check it out. There is a really really deep story here. Um, I did want to stop for a minute and make sure I get the the lines on this right because there's this little. Uh, prophecy that Moonspinner talks about, which I think would have been really, really re- relevant 
Um, and and you can tell there's that same kind of early world where it's like, the, you know, there used to be an advanced race of, you know, with technology and everything, and something happened, and they're trying to refine it. Because um, Man Arms even says, you know, uh, that he has no faith, only hopes and dreams of half-forgotten legends, uh, fables and fiction, Skeletor chases the wind, nothing more. So even Man Arms doesn't even necessarily believe that that Skeletor, you know, Skeletor just chasing some old fantasies about power swords and uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember if it's Grayskull here. Yeah, okay, here we go. So Moonspear is trying to think of this old prophecy. So it's uh, and this is his exact quote, guys. Champion born of fire and ice, dragon's flame and blood red snow, something something. We'll join the swords and make them whole. Gray skulls called the castle keep with ancient secrets dark and deep. Something or other. Never free. Save it to the king who wields the key. I really like that. I really... Yeah. And the main reason I like it is because of the something somethings. Like, this is such (laughs) an old prophecy that they don't even remember it all. This was made so long ago that part of it's just faded to the the winds of history. And I think Mm -hmm. that that would have been key. I don't think that was throwaway. It seems like a lot of planning was put into that, especially in the something-somethings, where that Mm -hmm. would have held the key to everything. But just the parts about dragon's flame and blood-red snow and a champion born of fire and ice, you know... it's making them think that this this little shepherd here plays a bigger role than they could they can imagine um and it's mm-hmm. it's worth the shot it's worth the shot to try and see yeah uh, i'm i'm a fan of that kind of stuff cuz i mean anything that gives any kind of like a history yeah. or you know something along those lines and in masters it's one of the perfect places to do stuff like that so and to hear that version, it's like okay, you know, this is this is leading you down a different path, but you might have the same outcome. Yeah, and so you're just gonna have maybe a different version or whatever. And I think this was gonna be very episodic. And can you imagine finding out like little bits and pieces of that prophecy as they're going and filling in the blanks? Maybe they fill it in wrong at one point and do. So- I mean, I don't like that kind of stuff. Just opens up so many doors in storytelling yeah. for me. Um, as they're chasing it, the legend, you know, it, it, the, this whole era is this is what make this is what captivates me about the brand, but it also what is what makes it frustrating at times because there's a lot of good storytelling you could have yeah. doing something like this, and especially the episodicness, like you're talking about. I was waiting for that on the show, yeah, and doing like they're going after this this legacy or this. This uh, this uh, you know this prophecy and all this kind of stuff, and it's like when the show came out, it, it didn't go to any of these kind of links. It, it did it did its own right. thing, and I always felt like it undercut a lot of the good meat of this is something you could also do with this brand and these things. Like these pages, obviously, have never been uh, they've never seen the light of day for the fandom, right. other than on uh, Battle Ram blog, obviously, mm-hmm. but. It's like, man, this is the kind of stuff that would be so fun yeah. to show on 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 a, either a, a comic book or a cartoon. 
So it's fun to un- unearth this now kind of the, stuff and go like, I was right. You could do it. It'll be awesome. These <laughs> next couple of pages, I'm really curious on your take on. Um, okay. So now we got, you know, Moonspinner figures, well, he's going to die anyways. Uh, you know, let's try something. And they head down to this deep part of the of the castle. And, you know, they pass a little placard that says authorized person only behind this beyond this point. And uh, they come out into this room that's just full of technology. I mean, the computers and rays and just everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, very Kirby esque looking. Yes, very much like Jack Kirby. Yep, yeah. Yep. And they end up placing He Man into a machine called the Life Mold. And it's it's that early, you know, with the, the technology is all kind of forgotten and. Moonspinner's trying to remember how to use this thing, and it doesn't want to start at first, and then it gets it firing up, and mm-hmm. and then it ends up, you know, they smell burning and sizzling, and it starts on fire, and Man-at-Arms, you know, busts it open to get He-Man out, and we find, and we are treated to, uh, well, actually, Chapter 2 ends with, like, them looking at the burning thing, and then Chapter 3... A champion born opens right up with man-at-arms and Moonspinner standing over our He-Man. He is... Yeah. He has been transformed. He is now the muscular, buff, uh, alpha male that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> as when, as when a I Captain saw... America fan, Sean, uh-huh. how do you like uh-huh. this? This is where, like, this whole story is, it it is the subverting my expectations of Mm He-Man. Because, like I said, I never would have pictured a murder to be something to start a He-Man origin with, with uh, Shalda Shalda getting murdered at the beginning with the uh, the dragons. And then out of nowhere, we have this, well, we can rebuild him. Give him the super soldier serum. You know, and I, I can almost hear yeah. the shepherd in there. You know, the, all all of it's on fire, and you can hear Chris Evans. Wait, yeah. I can do this. You know, <laughs> from Captain America: First Avenger. Yeah. It, it is. It is so weird as an origin at this point for me. I'm like, I I I was fine with. I wasn't. I wasn't a, a like thrilled about the idea of oh it's like tarzan he leaves the jungle as a kid but it it kind of it started you on that well here's this primitive being coming out and becoming a hero in filmation it's okay he's a prince Mm -hmm. and then he gets the sword and he becomes a hero this it's just like google google science stuff boom yeah (laughs) and and it's not it's not any take on he-man i would have ever expected no i agree and but for me personally this actually works better than the tribe, um, I because because of the transformation. I think it's easier for even though this is more. This is a permanent transformation. They have ta- like you said, they've rebuilt him. They have super soldiered him. Um, yeah, you know, and but it works for me because to me, He Man is all about that that transforming. You can be the the young prince, the weakling, and you can get the power. You know everything. Everything mm-hmm. about Masters of the Universe to me is power. And that's, you know, especially this early stuff. It was all, I mean, the working title was Lords of Power. It was all about getting the power yeah, of Grayskull, yeah. the most powerful man in the universe. It was all about being the best, the most powerful. 
And that's what this is. It's like, okay, there's this young boy who was dying and, you know, they gave him a second chance. He is transformed. He can get his revenge. He can avenge his fallen love, you know, and he can make a difference in the world. So I think that ties mm-hmm. into the themes for me better than I'm buff and I left my tribe to wander the planet. Yeah. You know? And and I even as a kid, that one really wasn't quite as compelling, yeah. but I just kind of accepted it because there wasn't anything until Filmation hit. Right. And, I, you know, like, I mean, granted, no, the DC did the Adam and all that stuff, too, obviously. And I knew yeah, about we're that. We're just saying these are this, this the first one, transformation that wasn't Filmation-esque. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, and and I appreciate that they did something to do that because I do like the idea, at least, and I loved it about the Captain America movie yeah. where no matter what you do through that movie, you look at Steve and you see in his eyes, here's that kid that could that was in the alley getting his ass yeah. kicked at the beginning of the movie. And here he is able to do something yeah. about it, but you never lose track of that. He's, he's kid, the kid. You know, he's that it, kid from Queens. He's he's, he's the kid kid from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Sorry, Spider Man. Yeah, quit Spider Man. My bad. Queen. My bad. And and uh, <laughs> and I love that about how how Evans portrayed that character. So I like this in here where he comes yeah. from, like uh, you know that. But then I think the 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 part that trips me up is the sci fi part because to me. Right. Masters has elements of sci-fi, but the sci-fi is less than the fantasy and the sorcery because it's that it's got that sword and sorcery thing more and the the sci-fi is kind of like here's little details right. within it to give you that it's more than just that, you know. So like having this be what saves them makes me just go like I wish they would have took him to like a, a healer or something and have it be like a magical or a you know, sorcery version of it instead. And then it, to save him, like he ends up having that because of the spell or whatever. But it, whereas the, it's like, this is very Marvel comics to me in this way. Yeah. I, I yes and no. Um, mm-hmm. But here again, though, you can tell the technology is limited because he man was living in a village that was very much just a village, you know, so yeah. obviously the technology is only in like the capital cities, you know, the big cities, mm-hmm. and it's unreliable. I mean, this thing burnt, this mm-hmm. thing smashed, it's destroyed. We can't make another He-Man. So I like that, mm-hmm. you know, because even yeah. that came up in the in the Marvel universe. It's like, well, can't we just make more super soldiers? Well, yeah, you can, you know. But this is, was kind of like, a, uh, this is it. There was this one machine left. It burned up. You're our guy now, and that may, that helps. Like to me, uh, a lot of times in storytelling, advanced technology—if you go advanced enough—is basically magic. You know, they got this one yeah. shot off. It worked, and it brought this kid back to life and made him a He-Man, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and now it's not even left around as a plot device later. Um, but yeah, it also hints yeah. back at the at the past where maybe they did use this all the time to just crank out, you know, super soldiers constantly. Warriors, super and soldiers. That, that yeah. led to the Great Wars. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's the whole thing, like the early Castle Grayskull, the whole point of getting into it was to take over all that technology and the weaponry and everything, you know? Like, that's yeah. kind of what they're yeah. going for in this era. So it, it works for me here. Mm-hmm. Um and, 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 you know, we get He-Man wakes up and he's ticked off. He's full of strength and energy and he's he's screaming for Shalda. And, 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna gloss over these next few pages here, guys. Um, but basically everything that's really fueling him at this point is his hurt and pain from losing Shalda and losing his village. Um, he's shown mm-hmm. training, or I'm sorry, he's shown fighting with Skeletor in the next uh, couple panels, like sparring. Uh, which we turn out is just Tila in, in disguise training him. Uh, and we basically, the next is his training montage. Uh, I like T- Tila is very much Tila in this. She's strong. She's yeah. confident. Um, good fighter. She's teaching him how to use his strength. Uh, and there's some moments between them here where, again, they're setting this. They are setting up the long game in this comic. You know, they Tila and mm-hmm. He-Man have some interactions. He-Man just completely ignores her for a long time. Like, all he's interested in, he's all in his own head. He's <coughs> only interested in getting stronger so that he can go slay Skeletor. Like, that's, it's it's mm-hmm. all about Shalda. Uh, and he does end up opening up a little bit to Tila um, during training. And you can start to see that, that, that friendship slash romance kind of blossom. Um... Mm-hmm. very mature themes in this i think you know it's not it's not talking yeah. down at all like i said they're setting up the romance the heartbreak you know uh i mean he man is is like a ptsd victim right now he's he's that's all that's mm-hmm. on his mind is shalda and his lost love and everything yeah and what you just said about you know it doesn't talk down the initial stuff that i got when i was a kid for this I always felt like it it made it that it's serious. This is legit. Like here's this cool fantasy tale that you can tell using these figures you're getting. So that's why when I, you know, me being who I am about masters, when we get into the thing where people are expecting, Oh, there should be some comedy. There should be some humor to it. I usually don't enjoy anybody's perspective on that point because it's like, no, if you go to this, this stuff, it was like these are warriors, these are barbarians, these are these are creatures, monsters, demons, and I, it's like that's why when Orko showed up on the show, I was like, seriously, like I want to see something where here's here's He Man having to slay this giant dragon or something, right. you know, and instead it's more, you know, they 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 catered that more towards let's let's let the kids have this this fun, but when you get stuff like this, it's like this is what I wanted out of this brand. And and now it, it's it, we've gotten into meh mimes yeah. and, and our memes and all that, and it's like no, and that's why you know anybody who's like, well, that's my Skeletor. I'm like, okay, fine, that's it's your, your Skeletor. Skeletor. But I got he yeah, didn't like, exist, that's, that, that's but the, that's your Skeletor. He, yeah, <laughs> and and it's like you know, I'll go back to the original mini comics. I'll go to something like this. I'll go to that uh, EP that we played yeah. the the record. And say that is how I always pictured this stuff, and that's what painted my imagination for what this brand was supposed to be. It never talked down to me yep. when I was a kid, and I enjoyed that for it. And uh, uh, real quick here, the last chapter, and it's, uh, I don't even know if it's a complete chapter. It might have been complete. It might have not been. It's kind of hard to tell. But chapter four is the last one that there are pages for, and that's entitled Battle Cat. Um, so the yeah. So guess what happens to this one? <laughs> and I actually really like this. I'll flip through the pages right quick here for the guys watching. Um, you know, He Man comes across this guy, uh, Anon, I think his name was. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and he's basically it's like Bronco busting. They've got these lar- a large cat, and they're all taking bets on who can who can break him, who can ride him the longest. And you can see he's mm-hmm. um. There's notes on here that he's uh, the cat's supposed to be like beat up with like scars and whip, you know, um, like he's had a hard life. And He Man mm-hmm. comes along and. Um, and I think I think it's all going back to that first uh, that first chapter to He Man, like you said, he's still that that shepherd from the village. So mm-hmm. he sees all these guys just picking on this cat, and he and he steps in. He stops him from whipping him. Uh, Battle Cat, of course, is uh, spoiler alert. This is obviously going to be Battle Cat. Um, Battle Cat attacks He Man because that's all he knows is just these guys constantly, you know, abusing him and everything. So he does. It's just animal instinct. There's no talking here, nothing. He is a pure fighting tiger. Uh, but He-Man actually mm-hmm. ends up taming him. He he gets on him, and he he tames him by showing him love. I mean, he's petting him. That's what that's what mm-hmm. calms him down. He pets him. He's telling him, "I'm not going to hurt you." And uh, he takes him to Moonspinner. Moonspinner helps heal him. And uh, once he's healed, Tila and He-Man go to release. Battle cat out in the wild, and you can see that the, the cat's grateful. He's giving him, you know, little kisses on his face, uh, just like Sean's cats mm-hmm. do to him all the time because he loves those little guys. <clears throat> and uh, jerks. <laughs> and uh, he man and Tila have a moment, and this is, and, and Tila's like, "Well, are you really going to release him? You know, he could be, uh, uh, you know, a good a good pet or a good, you know, steed." I'm sure she's thinking. And we we already get you know another side to He Man where he's he says no this is the right thing freedom is priceless everybody should be free so you've already got mm-hmm. the, the like we said before He Man's got to have these moral values these pillars that he he relates to and you've already seen it here he's standing up against bullies everything deserves to be free I mean this this is very much our He Man even though it's not you know mm-hmm. and. I, I like that part in particular quite yeah. a lot, the battle cat bit. Yeah, and then, uh, oh, I'm sorry, there is part of Chapter 5. My apologies, I forgot this. Does. So that's the, with him releasing battle cat into the wild, um, and him and Tila almost share a kiss, but then he calls her Shalda and kind of shuts that down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can see they're going to have a complicated <laughs> relationship. How He's got to get over the past trauma before he can move forward with, with possibly Tila or anybody else. So they're setting up yeah. some stuff here to explore. Uh, but then chapter five kicks in and that's night of the demons. And we got some similar looking demons to the first chapter, uh, ambushing them with nets and they're gonna, they're gonna kill him. <laughs> um, <laughs> he man is fighting them off. They're overwhelming them. And he tells Tila to run. She's not going to leave him. Um, and then it ends, the whole thing ends with a surprised look on one of the demon's faces. And that's everything we've got for this. So, um, obviously I think, I think the, the thought is that Battle Cat would have heard the noise and come back. And this is where, uh, He-Man gets his steed. I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty safe assumption there. Yeah. That yeah, he would have helped turn the tide, and then they would have been the partners that we know and love. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a story. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I like. 
there's there's definitely things about it where I'm a little iffy, but right. granted, you know, here I am at 42 finding out that this happened last week. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm just getting used to the idea, but there's more to that story that I'd rather have had as this is canon than not in some right. ways. Like, especially the Battle Cat bit, there's nothing wrong with having, like, I, I know everybody loves the cringer to Battle Cat and all yeah. that stuff. But for me, it's like, you know, having this cat that was shown all, you know, it's like that. I love that story of yeah. it, this cat was was never shown love. He shows it love. And then that bonds to him. And then through that, they have this unbreakable bond of I, I got your back if you got mine, you know, right. and all that. And, and it's like that is more the way I'd rather see Battle Cat done than he transforms from a cowardly, well, you know, you, cowardly tiger into into the big Battle Cat. Then. And if you're going to so. take out the the by the power of Grayskull, then I think this mm-hmm. is a, uh, and they're just He-Man and Battlecat, this is a really good way to introduce it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I liked it. I, I really did. Like you said, it's a, it's it's oddly familiar, yet completely different. And I, yeah. I wouldn't have minded it going this way. Um, I, th- I think it's obviously the, the, I mean, what's what's inked is very nice. The pencils are very nice. They were treating it with seriousness, even more so, I think, than maybe even DC ended up doing, or Filmation, mm-hmm. because just some of the themes that they were including in here, which might have been why Ventel decided to go with DC's pitch instead, mm-hmm. because those are some adult themes. I mean, PTSD, you can't get, you know, he's, he's calling Tila the dead girl's name. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean... That's something I wouldn't mind seeing now, seeing that story, you know? That it, could be a good HBO uh it, Yeah, yeah it could be. And it the last season and, would be horrible. Well, <laughs> maybe not. Who knows? But, I, yeah, my, my biggest problem is always going to be you don't need to talk down to kids to make them enjoy yeah, something. Know. My my kids can still enjoy something I enjoy. I might get it on a different level as, than them, but they can still understand things. And on top of that... Like you're showing empathy with right. that story. You're showing empathy on a couple different levels through Man at Arms taking the shepherd to get healed yep. because he's the only survivor of that attack. So it's like if it wasn't for Man at Arms, none of this would happen. And then and then when He Man shows uh, empathy to Battle Cat, now he he gained his lifelong steed, like you yep. said. And and there's definitely some things in there where it's like kids will still recognize this is a good thing without having to make it kitty. And that's something that is it's sorely lacking the way that they've done it. And uh, I feel like they really watered it down at certain points in the line. And it's like, no, you don't need to do that. Kids aren't dumb. Kids pick this stuff up. And if you show it in a way where it feels more real to them, it makes it lasting for them to remember these stories because it's affecting, you know, and and uh, I there's certain ones in filmation that, yeah, they were affecting because they were treated more seriously, like, you know, Tale of Tila or something like that. Yep. You know, there, there's definite or, or I'm, I'm not Tila, Tila's Quest, Tila's Quest. sorry. Yep. Uh, it, that one, my mom would sit with that with me yep. through that one because for her, it was an engaging story to see what they were doing. And it's like that, that kind of feeling is what I feel in this kind of a story, really. 
Yeah, and it's, so, yeah. I would have loved to see where it was going, because I think it would have been very episodic. I mean, you can see it growing with the toy line, too. I mean, just the way mm-hmm. they set it up, you know, the, the village in the remote corner, the capital city of Monarch, you know, they start traveling around and collecting collecting warriors. I mean, just, I mean, I could see them running into Mechanic here. You know, Skeletor mm-hmm. hires Triclops to ambush them because they're catching up to him on the path of the, to the... I mean, obviously, the first saga would have been the path to the power sword. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think once that's... I think this story here, the Witten story, I think it would have completely shifted gears. So, you know, it wouldn't have been... My biggest gripe about those early stories is, oh, we got the two halves. Join. Oh, we got split them by the end of the story. All right, let's go grab mm-hmm. them again. Let's join them. Okay, let's split them again. I don't think this would have mm-hmm. done that. I think this mm-hmm. first saga would have found two halves... It would have been joined. Okay, now we got to find Grayskull to open Grayskull with the sword, you know. Mm-hmm. And so then the next saga is finding Grayskull, and then the next saga could be who, you know, who has control or who takes control, or maybe Skeletor gets Grayskull, and the yeah. heroic warriors have to, uh, uh, you know, get away from him. Like, I, I think this one would have a- actually had the continuity, the continuation. It wouldn't have just been you know, reset at the end of the story. It would have been what happens. And along the way, as Mattel's releasing new toys, you know, He-Man and Skeletor are gaining new warriors until the Mm -hmm. end of it. It's basically an all-out war. You know, Mm -hmm. the good good, uh, warriors of Eternia versus the evil. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to point out, when we were going through it, do you know what man... Did you catch what Man in Arms was the leader of? No, I didn't catch that What? Moonspinner says that Man at Arms is the leader of the Masters of the Universe. Ah, uh, because I I couldn't read when I was reading the blog. I didn't get to read the ca- the word bubbles and all that stuff. I was reading the captions that Adam okay. wrote. So yeah, yeah, yeah I check, missed that. Check it out. Yeah, no, when he's introduced to uh, the the Man so at it's, Arms, <laughs> so it's here, the stage right there. <laughs> here, here again, it uh. It is. It is not just the. It is definitely not just Mike Young Productions that referred to them mm-hmm. as Masters of the Universe. Uh, this mm-hmm. was obviously an idea from early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Captain. Here it is. Man at Arms. Here is Captain of the Masters of the Universe, the Protectors of Eternia. They are mm-hmm. our guardians of justice, our defenders against evil. Nice. So <laughs> there, there's there's more history. Of them being the yeah. masters, even in the 80s. Yeah. Well, I I remember the one episode where I said they didn't use it until 2000X, and I have to take that back no matter what now. Yes. <laughs> Mia culpa. There you go. <laughs> golden book. And, well, I think the other place it, it showed up in print was in a golden book, which, again, is owned yeah. by yeah. Women yeah. Publishing. So, I mean, yeah. it's, but it goes back to that early state of the line there. Um. And especially, especially if they were in the Lords of Power days, maybe even it, it definitely could have been, you know, like the, the Lords of Power would have been the title, and then Masters of the Universe could have been the heroic faction, and that's, you know, and they're reading that early material there before Masters became the whole title. I mean, that mm-hmm. could definitely be plausible. So yeah. So and then, in as we always do, uh, let's rank it. So in an Elseworlds ranking style. Uh, just on its on its own merits as a mm-hmm. story, not not saying that this is 
like the definitive origin or anything else, but if this was the story we had gotten, what would you rank it just on its merits alone? Wow, because if this was a story we would have gotten, it would have been in my it would have been in my canon since right. you know the eighties. So that that saying, makes just, it. Just don't take right. it down because it's different than you know what I mean. Just yeah, just yeah, yeah. Based on it, what what do you think? I I would give this from what we see of it at this point. I'd give it an eight. I think. Um, yep. I, I I couldn't go full nine or ten. I need more pages. Because right. like you said, as the story's developing, there's these moments where you're just like, ooh. And like while we were going through it, I'm like, oh, this is going to end soon. I kind of want to keep going. You know, like exactly. I, I, it was making me want to keep moving forward with this. So, yeah. Right. I say an eight as well I th- for the same reasons. It's artwork's fantastic. I would have loved yes. to see it colored. Story has a great pacing. It. You know, even the slow spots don't feel like you're slowing down because you're getting a lot of good emotional stuff from He-Man and Tila. And uh, it's just, it's it's really well done. And at the end of it, you're going, I want to see the next page. You know, mm-hmm. and, and if the, we had seen those the rounding out story, you know, maybe it would have jumped it even higher for me. Sure. All right. So, we got time for a remastering? Yeah, I, I was up till about two in the morning on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump to it. Remastering their universe. Go ahead, Sean. Introduce what are we remastering today? This is this is an interesting one. Yeah. So, because of uh, the subject of the episode today, Matt decided. <laughs> let's, let's take a look at what would happen. How would you do it? This is this is not technically. I guess it's technically remastering the canon, but it's yeah. how would you do it? 1982. You're at Mattel. Yep. You have these toys. What's Wave the story one. that you're going to come up with? Wave one, the eight back figures. What yep. is the story you're going to come up with to make kids? Well, what's the story that you're going to come up with for these? Characters, right. basically, right. for these figures. Yeah, we are remastering the entire origin of the line here, folks. We've got to, we were, we, me and Sean just had a meeting with Mattel. They showed us uh, these figures, a battle cat, a gray skull, and we've got to come up with a story for him. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, you sound to be the better prepared one because I've just kind of got thoughts in my head. Um, <laughs> so, why don't you take, why don't you take the lead on this one and... I think okay. we do better when we're building off each other anyways. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I had a basic brushstrokes idea, and then my buddy – I was over at my buddy's place last night, and I, I threw it at him around midnight. Mm-hmm. And he and I were going back and forth till close to 2 in the morning over how <laughs> this could work. And I'm going to leave out some of the details because they weren't refined. But right. um, I guess, okay, I'm a huge fan of the idea of the 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 ancient uh, technology that is part of Master's lore. And I'm also, I'm a fan of the whole, you know, the great wars leading yep. into the line. And this is why they're kind of at a ground zero primal base to maybe start off everything. So... The way that I thought of it was similar to the 1987 movie, ironically. Okay. I like the idea that what happens is 
in 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 the Great War, they had what would be like, like our equivalent of a hydron collider. This sure. is their their you know like H bomb that they're going to use to end this war because it's sure. gone for too long. They try to use this thing, and the thing pierces the veil of the dimensions, and that's how Skeletor comes through. Okay, he brings yeah. armies with him. So suddenly they're not fighting the 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 uh, Great War. They're fighting a twofold front of here's Skeletor and these demons. Our enemies are over here. We're getting overtaken. Yeah. So first and they've got become, the they got the infighting, and now they've also brought Skeletor as yeah. well. So yeah, got, so now Skeletor being who he is, and he's he's just bringing these legions of demons and monsters with him and all this kind of stuff. And it's stuff that has never, ever happened on Eternia before. So they're overwhelmed. They're just getting beaten. And among the soldiers on the field on that battle is a prince. Mm-hmm. And that prince, during this battle, is watching his friends fall. He's watching... You know, people that have trained him fall and all this stuff. And it's basically he's he's on the battlefield left behind after all hell has broken loose. And he's one of the few people left. It's almost like the Lone Ranger kind of a deal. He's he's left behind with he he's thought he's dead. But no, he's he's just like laying there in all the the rubble and everything. And so it's like Eternia has now opened itself up to a bigger problem. Right. And this is like from the universe. It's not just you know, within its, its world. And so this prince is someone that he, he has been trained to do battle. He's basically a typical like warrior or a knight or whatever. And throughout like the time after this, he would be traversing Eternia and he's basically almost like Skeletor. Like we talked about, he traverses the, the landscape going from village to village and as he sees problems, he comes in and he'll fight the stuff off for these people. And it's like this legend has begun growing of there's this warrior who comes out of the night when when the you know we, there's screams and there's cries for help. And this warrior just shows up and he doesn't ask for anything in return, but he's here to help us, you know. And and they're they're building this legend of this guy who he right. will be there when there's there's help needed and stuff. And and so he like I said, he's a prince. He's not a he's a warrior prince, but he's not like a barbarian. You know, he's not like the powerful, most powerful man in the universe yet. So putting into play a character that never was very well defined in the original, which I feel this will help. Zodak. Okay. he he saw that the veil got pierced. He looks at this and he's he's like. The the power, you know, the the balance has shifted so greatly because of man having, you know, too much power that now the evil is taken over. So he and the goddess are both like, we need to find a way to tip the scales back. It has to be balanced again. And the and uh, the goddess is like, I've heard of a legend of someone, and. He's like, are you sure that this is the person who can write the balance? She's like, I think it is. And they they do like in the old Alcala. She yeah. gets into trouble. Right. And he comes in and saves her because she, he saves her. She's like, you know, I I have something that you need to see. And she takes him and they're talking about all of this stuff of uh, and I know I'm getting long winded with this. Right. I, I'm sorry. But so she she's talking to him about what like, why do you do what you do? Why are you yeah. doing this? And and he goes, 
it, he's like, you know, my parents died when everything happened. My parents, my parents were taken from me. My friends were taken from me. My family was taken from me. And he's like, you know, I, I, I should be a king right now and I don't right. have a throne. And, and she's like, you know, to, and she's like, well, why, why don't you just call yourself the king? He goes, it doesn't matter. Right. Like the power, the, the ruling of people doesn't matter. The people are what matters. He's like, these should be my subjects. And all I want to do is make sure that they're safe. I'm trying to protect them because I couldn't protect all of the people on the battlefield that day. I need to keep going. I need to keep pushing myself. And she's like, well, what if, what if you were given an, a, a way to do that? You know, what if you were given power? And he's he's like he he looks at power in a whole different way now because he right. sees power as being uh, gentle, as being empathic versus if I have the greatest weapon, I'm going to be the one to crush my enemies. He's not right. that guy. And she's she's trying to feed into, OK, what what is this about you that would make you look at what I'm about to give you and see it in a way where it's not necessarily I'm giving you all the power to crush your foes and all that stuff. So, you know, she mentions to him about, about Grayskull, and he's like, well, that's fairy tales, you know, like in, yeah. in the book, you know, like I, I did yeah. not intend that to happen. <laughs> he's like, he's like, that's that's something that every every child knows that story. Oh, right. gr- you know, Grayskull is the center of the universe and good and evil reside there, da-da-da-da-da. And, and, you know, she she basically does the, you know, Maybe maybe some things are based on truth. Maybe right. some things are are maybe they're not as you think they are, but maybe they are. And she leads him, and there's she shows him where Grayskull has been hidden all this time. And he's just standing there, like you've got to be shitting me, you know? <laughs> like this is he's like you know this should not be here. This should not be happening, and all that stuff. And and I even though I'm not the biggest fan you know, of the Prince Adam to He-Man in that way uh, compared to the barbarian. But what I, what I like doing is saying, you know, he, he, I, I see him as somebody, he's paired himself down to a very like utilitarian look. He's not wearing yeah. armor to a certain extent. He's more, yes, he's trained. He's, he's capable. He's got his tenacity. He's, he's strong for being young and, you know, being a warrior. But you know, she hands him the sword then, and and it's only half of the sword, right. because the it, it, the whole idea with that is more, not even just unlocking Grayskull, but to them it's the whole we can't give you the full power of this because it could corrupt you completely. Sure. So he has half the sword, and then the other end of it. I think I don't know if it would be before or after this that would be when Skeletor already has it somehow. So it is the whole he's going after He Man to join them, and then he gets all the power and right. it, you know the corruption the and all that. Sword, yep. Exactly, yeah. Because um, I always liked that part of it, and I felt like they never ever they never they never gave that its proper due in a way where it would have been a really interesting, lasting concept. Um, but yeah, she would give him the sword, and it, it would it would be you know if he if he does the incantation, it's almost like, for lack of a better term, it's like a power up. He yes. can actually he he's given the ability to use a power beyond all power, which makes him the most powerful man in the universe. And she's like, you know, you'll, you you won't grow tired when it happens. You won't you, you'll be able to to fight armies on your own and this kind of thing. And she's like, and most of all, you'll protect the people that, you know, need it the most. And so, you know, him having the sword and, and Zodak and her kind of like looking over the situation and they agree, yes, this needs to be done because th- this world will die otherwise. 
Right. And that sets the stage for, okay, now you got your He-Man, you have your Skeletor who's been ripping through everything and he's, he's burning, pillaging. It, it, he doesn't even want like to be the king of Eternia or any of that. Yeah. For him, it's a whole different primal level of what he wants from this world. It's, death, it's more death, destruction. Death, destruction and power. Yeah. It, like I, I look at it from almost like a Thanos perspective of Thanos is a driven individual and you right. cannot talk him out of his goal. And this is kind of my version of Skeletor in this. And then on top of, I mean, obviously he'd have beast man at his side. He'd have merman at his side and all this right. kind of stuff uh, from, from crossing over and either he'd find them on attorney and he'd, he'd be amassing the sure. mutants. He'd be amassing the, the unique oddities that are his people and they would be coming to him and he'd be like, you know, because he has his half of the swords, the whole, I can grant you power and you can fight back against those who have wronged you and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I like the idea that uh, like man at arms being his, it, it, being someone who he's a confidant for, for he man, but he also is somebody who he's he's like a geek about the age of technology. He's he'd almost yeah. be like uh um uh Entrapta, but not like, <laughs> not on the spectrum or any but he'd be the guy he, he the knows Netflix about this Entrapta, old stuff. Not exactly. The, uh, the not not the Netflix Entrapta. Not not real Entrapta. So, yeah. Um uh, no. <laughs> but he, he would be the one like cobbling together as much of the ancient technology as he could find and try to like retrofit it, retro, you know, reverse engineer it and all that stuff so that they can use it again to fight back against this dimensional rift and to fight back against the stuff that keeps coming through. And then Tiela would also be kind of like a grease monkey with him. She would be in there and it, like she'd be helping out uh, man in arms as he needs uh, assistance and stuff. But right. then she's also more than capable because she, so I, I picture this being a, a timeline, but you know, five to seven years from yeah. the Great War to where we are in the story, and she would be more than capable of taking care of herself, growing up in that kind of a situation too, which makes her the warrior goddess, as uh, she's dubbed and everything. And yeah, so, I mean, my my version would be that one where there'd yeah. be a lot more apocalyptic stuff versus it being it, like think of the think of the box art. Yeah, and all the the darkness of Eternia, the you know the fires, the brooms. That's that's kind of what I want to see. And He Man's like the lone traveler coming around, and he, if you hit, if you're screaming for help, all of a sudden there's this battle axe to defend yeah. you, you know. And here he is. So, so Skeletor is going after the power sword. He wants the power, and He Man's really just going to try and free Eternia. Like his goal is just to stop Skeletor. He doesn't even necessarily want the power sword. No, he just no. he just wants Eternia to be free again. And he yeah, try and, and find and, a peace. Yeah, he he looks at it as uh, I I kind of coined it as um like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in yeah. a way where he went to war, he saw the the horror of war. So right. when he comes back, he has to fight back, mm -hmm. but he doesn't necessarily want to be the king of England. You know, he right. wants to just know that there is a balance again and, you know, the people can live without fear. You right. know, that would be my my take on He-Man in this version. I like it. I like it. I'd watch that. Um, yeah, mine, I, I ooh, it, was, it was tough. Number one, it's tough trying to reset your mind. You know, it's, yeah. it's tough trying to, <laughs> with everything we know, everything we've experienced, it's tough to uh, to reset it. But 
basically, I I went back. I tried to think of all the the like that early Lords of Power promo uh, artwork and really really just try and look at what the original roles were. I forgot about Zodak though, as most people do. Um, mm-hmm. But I was happy to fit him. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> "That's a perfect place. We're good here." So basically, I went in my mind. I I said, "Okay, if I if I was sitting there, they showed me, you know, the Lords of Power prototype figures, Castle Grayskull, kind of the general storyline. What would stand out to me? Obviously, the power, which is, which is obvious. That stands out in every iteration, like we just talked about with the Whitman story. Everything's about power." Um. But I took it very much the, the, I think the lords, lords would have stuck out to me too. So you've got these lords of power, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Merman, Beastman, Skeletor, you got Man-at-Arms, Tila, He-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, what I was thinking is you set up Eternia as, as a... Again, as obviously said after Great Wars, that was a prevalent theme there. Something really bad happened to this world. Mm-hmm. And to me, it is now fractured. So you got the you got all these different regions of Eternia, all with their own ruler or lord. Um so you've got you've got kind of the the you've got like this dark part of Eternia where it's it's very much like this was where the the worst battles of the war were fought. There's radiation and there's volcanoes and like that's the mm-hmm. really bad place. And obviously that's where Skeletor rules, um, because he's he's one of the few that can survive there. Like regular everyday people cannot survive in this this region. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Skeletor's. Then you've got like these deep dense forest region, um, and that Beastman has taken over. And that mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the food comes from because it's one of the few areas on this war torn planet that's still very much, you know, fertile and growing. But Beastman mm-hmm. rules over that with an iron fist, you know, and he doesn't let anything out he doesn't want to. If he wants to, you know, to starve your village, he will because what are you going to do? He's got he's he really controls the crops and everything. Um, mm-hmm. but a man obviously would control the the ocean, the waterways, you know. So you have to you have to uh, fight against him or get into a deal with him, you know? So you got mm-hmm. Skeletor, the, the Lord of Destruction, who just, death and blood and whatever he wants, he takes. And then you yeah. got Beastman controlling the, you know, all the agriculture and Merman controlling the water sources and the in the, the waterways for, you know, trading and everything else. And they've all kind of banded together in an unholy alliance Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got like the, the more civilized part, you'd say, which used to be the capital city of Eternia. Um, and that's where there's a lot of technology, but again, a lot of time has passed. We've forgotten how to use a lot of that, uh, the vehicles and stuff If they're, you know, they're, they're working pretty well and everything. Um, but yeah, it's kind of that same world that we've seen in the, the Alcala mini comics in the, you know, in the Whitman story. Uh, there's a lot of forgotten mm-hmm. technology, but and then that region is ruled over by Tila, the uh, warrior goddess, and uh, you know really playing up the you know more the sorceress end of the spectrum Tila, as mm-hmm. she was presented early on, um, 
And, and basically, there the Skeletor, Beastman, and Merman are 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 trying to take over that last remaining part. Like she's the only leader who shows benevolence to her people, and they work together. But they can only they can't sustain themselves on their land alone. So mm-hmm. they have to, and, and but she. But she doesn't like what that Beastman and Merman have sided with Skeletor and are working with him, because um, and he's out there. He's trying to grab all the all the power he can, all the villages, any sort of weaponry, technology. That's what Skeletor is after, and she knows mm-hmm. he's building up to take to trying to be the only ruler, and and so that's led to, led to strained relations with Beastman and Merman in their areas. So that's slowly suffocating the capital city. They can't sustain themselves. So then she reaches out, trying to find warriors to combat Skeletor. And that's when, you know, you could have the same way. She's traveling around, and she meets and she meets uh, He-Man and Man-at-Arms. And I'm putting mm-hmm. them, them as uh, contemporaries. They are, they're, they're, they're like you and me, they're buddies. They grew up together. They are, mm-hmm. they are approximately the same age. You know what I mean? Taking mm-hmm. taking merman or merman man at arms into uh, he's younger, but he he's smart. He he gets technology same as you. He gets technology. He knows how to work it. He knows how to repair the bits he's found. Mm-hmm. And so when she comes across them, and he man is very much just uh, I know I said about it earlier, but he's very much just that strong guy from the jungle. He's mm-hmm. uh, you know he's a he's a he's a specimen of a man. And mm-hmm. he's a great warrior, and he—I would say—he does save her when she's out and about, and she ends up taking them back to the capital city. Man at arms starts diving deep into all the technology that's buried in the catacombs of the, the royal palace, and, and you know, you know, you could have it down the road. He finds a talent fighter and gets that working again, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, and she's like, "This is it. <laughs> this is this is where." You know, this is how we fight back. This is how we start getting out there. And He-Man's just that that good guy from Brooklyn. He's he's got mm-hmm. the morals. He's got the values. And um, and very much like you, she gives she she whatever way you want to do it. I I hand decide through technology or magic. She enhances his abilities. You could do it like the, the with the with the harnesses, like they did in the early stories. You could do it with yeah. The, um, th- there are the two halves of the power sword. Tila has one in the capital city, and Skeletor has the other one. You know, and 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 that's basically it. The dark and the light halves. When whatever ended the great war and almost killed the entire population, split the power sword into two pieces. One was lost in the dark and hem- dark part of Eternia, and the other one is in the light. You know, in the capital city. Mm-hmm. So they've got that. They've got the light half. Skeletor's got the dark half. And yeah, Skeletor's end game is to find Castle Grayskull and control it. So that's why he's made this alliance with Beastman and Merman to starve the capital city so that he can overthrow it and get the other half. And then you got to find. And then he can unlock Grayskull, and he thinks that will give him all the power he needs to rule everything. Yeah. So, okay. Um, and I even, I even toyed with the idea of having Skeletor be created by the Great Wars. Have, like you, kind of like you, have him back then, but like, he was leading part of the forces, and he was thought to have died in, 
you know, the great, like you said, it's probably like a nuclear bomb or something that ends it. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that it transformed him into Skeletor. And that's mm-hmm. why he can survive over there, you know. And I like uh, that. And, you know, He-Man's with it, with the magical help of the goddess, he's able to go over into Skeletor's region, but mm-hmm. they can't, they can't stay there long. Like, in Man-Arms got all, all his technology, like, basically, you, you make your group of masters, your heroic warriors, whatever you want to call them, and, like, they're the best of the best, and they can go over there and do battle, but, like, nothing can live there except the most foul beings on Eternia, you know? Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. And that kind of that, and that's basically my conflict. It's it's all these lords, all these regions fighting, and as the story goes on, you could you could bring it further, find out that you know, well, this is only this part of Eternia, and we got other parts and other lords, or you could just bring them in as you know warriors, and it still leaves room for that expansion of the story mm-hmm. as they're trying as they're trying to stop Skeletor from gaining the power sword. Uh, they're trying to find Gray Skull, and I'd go very episodic like like that too. Nice. So. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's it's a testament to the story how many different ways you can take this. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I mean, you you went a whole another way. I went this way. Whitman went that way. DC Information mm-hmm. went that way. And I think it really speaks to the staying power of of He Man that it's got so such a good foundation mm-hmm. that you can boil it back and take it down all these paths, and I think still have a winning story almost every time. Yeah, I mean, I I'll always go to what was in my head when I was a kid playing with them. And that's like, I mean, everybody knows the filmation take on it and everything and 2000 X, you know, followed up with that. But at the end of the day, for me, it's always going to have this, like they're barely surviving. They are yes. fighting every day of their lives to make the next day happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, even as a kid, I got that vibe from how the toys look yes. from how the artwork looked. So I like the idea, you know, you're putting these characters in this situation where there isn't hope. Right. And it's like, you know, the minute He-Man shows up, it's like it's the equivalent of like Superman flying out of the blue and he's holding out his hand to you to get you out of the danger that you're in. But then he'll go back and take care of it, too. And it's like I want to I want to see a little I don't want He-Man to be Superman either, though. Like that was the main thing about film. But he is that symbol of hope. Especially in these old early stories. He was always the guy who's like, there's no future, there's just death, destruction, eventually Skeletor will take over the planet. That is the early masters of the universe, very much. Because everything distills back to that point when you go back this early in the line. And Mm -hmm. I love a lot of the stuff that came later. You know that. I love filmation. That'll be my go-to every time. But there is an appeal to this early stuff too. And yep. I think, I think between Whitman and us doing ours, I think we boiled it down to that. That's it's the last home of humanity. Mm-hmm. It's what, it's not even what happens when the bomb drops. It's what happens after. Is yeah. there any hope of getting back to a civilization that's worth living in? And he yeah. means that warrior that goes, yes, we can mm-hmm. do this. We band together we work for freedom. We show empathy and humanity and compassion. Mm-hmm. Again, He-Man 
he's the most powerful man in the universe because he he is everything that a man should be and that's not just muscles that's the morals the convictions you know doing mm-hmm. the right thing no matter what that's yeah. what the most powerful is yeah and and, and like i forgot even cuz i went through uh almost all of them but uh stratos even. Oh, yeah, I, forgot I forgot they even too. throw him in there too. And the, and the thing I was going to say, since he's one of the first that he's a little bit more unique looking than, you know, he man is very much of just a typical guy. Stratos has a whole different deal with him. And I like the idea that, you know, the first, the reason he's with he man is Avion was under attack and he man yeah. showed up and it's the whole, you know, he, he managed to help them. And it's the whole, you know, you, you help my people. I got your back if you got mine sort of thing. And that's like the first alliance he created before everything happened. You I, know, would, or I would say that everything happened. I would say that in my story too, that would probably be their first allegiance was to Avion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be, that could be their way out. Like they, they go up against Beastman and Merman and they fail. They can't defeat them. They're too powerful. So then, you know, they end up, however, they end up in Avion and they help save them from an attack, and then Straps is like, well, we have, you know, these mountain glaciers where we get our water from, and we grow crops up here, and they mm-hmm. start a partnership, and they, ooh, that, I like that, this just came to me, and they circumvent that. It's not even that they beat Beastman and Merman, <laughs> it's that they find another way, and they start mm-hmm. forming their alliances, and, you know, and then you could get the Andreads mm-hmm. in there with yeah. Buzz off later, and they get, you know, they and they're all bringing their... Like like I said, it's all about getting the power. It's all about making alliances and trying to build the better forces. And so they're able to yeah. find another way. So then it doesn't matter about Beastman and Merman. And then that anchors mm-hmm. them and that solidifies their alliance with Skeletor yeah. and and cementing <laughs> those forces. And the podcast can go five more hours it, of us getting out about this. <laughs> um all right. I gotta take off. Uh, so we'll hold questions. We'll get them next time, guys. All right. Um, Sounds good. But I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Uh, one last... One last... Plea? Yeah, we'll go plea. Um, my daughters right now, they are selling Girl Scout cookies. I'm going to drop a link down below if any of our listeners happen to be interested in some Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> they do ship. Um, so follow that link down below. They are delicious yummy um and you'd be helping the girls out a lot this is the number one source of income for the troops for a lot of the stuff they do all year and with everything going on they cannot do cookie boots if you haven't tried to get uh, the yeah. new one this year toastier it's a french toast flavored cookie it's delicious oh coffee or hot cocoa mm-hmm. um so yeah guys please check out that link if you can or if if you're one of the guys in the area near me uh, shoot me a PM and we can work something out. Um, we do appreciate it. Um, like I said, they're really trying to all, most of the events and activities they do as a troop, the funds come from this and not being able to have cookie boost this year is really going to limit what we can sell. So check that out. If you can check out battle Ram blog, uh, it's great stuff. Take a deeper look at those pages, read all the captions. There's notes in the sidelines. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, please like, share, subscribe, ring that bell. We got some live stuff coming. I'll do a formal announcement on that uh, later this week. 
Uh, Sean, you got anything? Nope, I'm good to go. <laughs> All right, we thank you guys. We appreciate it. Let us know what you think about our remastering. Check out Whitman Publishing. And until next time. Until next time.